0: It's what you expected, ain't it? K-I-R-P Radio! When you're looking for real truth, real talk radio, make sure you log on to K-I-R-P Radio Show dot com. Sunday nights live, 8 p.m. with your host. Good evening. My name is Rock P. This is the K-I-R-P Radio Show. The RP is not for Rock P. It's keeping it real with Pudgy. I thank Pudgy Miller for the opportunity to Host this show once every month, last Sundays. Last Sundays with me, Rocco P. Tonight, I have a very, I think a very good show planned. There's been a lot of talk about marriage in the news because of the pending Supreme Court decision. And I wanted to approach that from somewhat of a different perspective. I I am a Bible-believing Christian, as is Pudgy. And I really want to talk about not just the problem with the state, but really the problem with professing believers, the problem with the churches, the problem with Christian leadership as far as the way we have viewed marriage. So there's a lot that could be said. I'm going to talk about the Bible. It won't be technically a Bible study. Part of it will be. Uh, And then we'll talk about what the state, how the state looks at that, how the state defines marriage, what the state has done, what the state is doing, what the state uh, may very well do in the not-too-distant future. I talk about the state. I'm not just talking about state government, but the federal government. What is the role? How should Christians respond? Uh, What is the role of Christians in relation to the state concerning marriage? Many people, I think, have overlooked some really, to me, clear and uh, certain issues. Some things are very uh, that can't be debated. A lot of Christians have unfortunately uh, just ignored. Uh, the call number is six one nine six three eight eight five five nine six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. I'll, I anticipate if there are calls to take them the second half of the show. So please do be patient with me. How uh, you look at marriage? What has gone on in the public square? You know, how, how different has marriage been viewed, as of late? Okay. One article, one article from the Atlanta Atlanta Journal-Constitution mentioned that in the year 2000, so we're talking just all of 15 years ago, no country on the planet allowed same-sex marriages. That's just in the year 2000. In 2004, President George W. Bush running for re-election, he was helped, no doubt, because more voters came out to the polls because in 11 states they had approved bans on homosexual or gay marriage. Okay, that was in 2004. In 2008, Barack Hussein Obama, who incidentally grew up, people knew him as Barry Satoro, but that that's, I, I digress. Barack Hussein Obama in 2008, he ran to the left of Hillary Clinton, but he also said then that he opposed homosexual marriage, which he would call gay marriage. So As far as the way society and the body politic views this issue, uh, it's clearly in transition. It's it's clearly in transition big time. I remember back when Al Gore, who did not invent the Internet, incidentally, when he debated George W. Bush back in 2000, uh, he said he did not believe in homosexual marriage. Again, he would call that gay marriage, uh, but he did believe in civil unions. And no one probably told Al Gore that, you know, what is you know what is a civil union then? Uh, when they tried to mince words, he tried to say, usually on both sides of the issue. And then Bush himself eventually adopted that position down the road. So things things are in flux on this issue. So to start out, what really, what can we say authoritatively about marriage if you believe the Bible? Now, a lot of social conservatives, I think, would agree with a lot of what I'm going to say, but... Um, basically, I'm giving you my perspective uh, without apology. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is God's word to men. It was written by men who were inspired by God. It wasn't a book that men wrote uh, about God. It was a book that God wrote through the hands of men. Okay, it was inspired by God. So that is, that is the authority. So when we look, we step back and we say, okay, what, what, what can we gain from Scripture? What insights do we have from Scripture about marriage? You start out, and uh, we go to you go to Matthew 19. There was dispute that Jesus had with the Pharisees, and dispute in that culture there was two main schools, uh, two main schools of thought, two main schools of rabbinic Judaism, Hillel and Shammai, concerning divorce, and they wanted to trap Jesus. They wanted him to side with at least one position, and Shammai took a more restrictive view. They said for certain things, depending upon how they, they viewed someone' cleanness. In uh, in the law in in, uh, in the Pentateuch they'd say there's there's a few there's a few conditions where then yeah you know, there's there has to be remarriage has to be divorce and remarriage and then Hillel was a far more tolerant we could say uh, a liberal position saying yeah for a variety of reasons uh, if if your wife would burn a meal you could divorce her you could put stick that certificate of divorce in her hand if uh, one rabbi even said uh, if if you see a woman more attractive than your wife then you could write her certificate of divorce. So this is, this is is that was the context then in rabbinic Judaism. So in Matthew 19, as I quote, verse 1, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Yeah, that was a question, that just any reason. And he, Jesus, answered and said to them, Have you not read? That he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no, one, let no man separate. And then they went on to talk, to talk about that, that, uh, that certificate of divorce, which Moses permitted, but uh, he didn't command that was their view that they, there was divorce that was commanded and was permitted to regulate in the Old Testament in the law. In essence, Christ is saying that they kept on going. They were talking about what was in you know what Moses had said, and then Christ went back further to creation. Can't understand marriage? You start in the beginning, and really for anyone to approach the Bible, if you uh, if you listen, or really if if you hear the, the the teaching, the first three chapters of the Book of Genesis, then that gives you a great insight into a lot of what the Bible says. Really, you get the first three first three chapters of the Bible correct, and you you're in really good shape. Concerns the creation, God created everything out of nothing. God does. God then orders the creation, and He says particular things about men, woman, and marriage. Marriage was God's intent then from from the beginning for man and woman, and obviously. Sin enters the world, that's in, that's, in, uh, that's in Genesis also, and that changes many things, including the marriage relationship. But we talk about this definition of marriage, a lot of social conservatives, including people that are bible believing Christians, they really get hung up with this idea as far as the state. Now, it is an important issue, but let's backtrack again. Okay? You go back to the bare bones as far as the Bible. What elements define a marriage? Okay, how, how is it defined? A lot of people say now the courts, the federal government, they're tending to redefine marriage, and there is there is much truth to that. But you go back, you know, forget the current controversy, step back into the biblical text, and say what what elements, what do we have that would say this is what constitutes a marriage? Some people would argue then marriage marriage at face value is then a contract between a man and a woman. You say a contract or a covenant intended. Intended to last for life. And the elements that would involve that, it would be instituted by some type of vows or a pledge. So you'd have vows or a pledge. And you could also make a real strong argument biblically that marriage, since marriage involved permission of parents, so you really had families that then would be involved in the process. So you could make the argument that if people got married, then, apart from without parental permission or against their parents' wills, uh, was it was it really valid? But the part I'm going to focus on here is the idea of this this covenant or a contract between a man or a woman with some type of vow or this pledge intended to last for lifetime. That's that's really that's bare bones. That's what marriage is. Now, <clears throat> when a lot of people attempt to inject the state into marriage, <clears throat> they forget especially especially by believing Christians that you look at the Old Testament, okay, you look at Israel, you look at that covenant community. There you had moral several moral law, civil law, and ceremonial law. Okay. Israel's living in the land they're governed by that. You see, you read all that good stuff. Uh read through Exodus, you know, read through Deuteronomy. You see all these laws governing how Israel was to function, that covenant community. The simple thing that many many people forget though is that you never had a priest involved with marriage under the Mosaic law it wasn't there okay just it wasn't there it involved it involved the families uh had nothing to do with anything to do with a priest or you know the, the temple or anything like that. Then you fast forward to the New testament, okay Christ performs his first miracle wedding at Cana of Galilee uh the same custom. Uh, the same practice continued then into the new testament wasn't had nothing to do then you you saw no rabbis there then you go into Christian marriage, okay I would argue that in Acts two, the church began, and how do Christians get married so it says nothing about a marriage ceremony in the church, nothing about anyone, any pastors, elders presiding over it. It's not there as a matter of fact. You look into church history, and for the first 1,000 years of church history, uh, Christians were not getting married in the church. So it took about a thousand years for that practice to to develop. Now, I am not an iconoclast. Okay, in other words, I'm not. I'm not trying to break. I'm not trying to say it's wrong to get married in the church by any means. I'm just saying you have to understand how this developed, and we have to we have to separate what's happened through tradition with you really what the Bible says outright. You know, marriage involved the families, Men and women getting together, having that, having uh sharing those vows, that pledge. And okay, you, you, if you got me, if you're listening closely, you know, I left out consummation. Okay, physical union. The Bible makes it real clear that alone would never make people married. That's why the Bible talks about fornication. A lot of people that are lost, they don't like it if you use that word fornication. 'cause they wanna they wanna give credence, they wanna make it appear as if living together outside of marriage is right. It's never right, never will be right. All right. So you have those elements again. You you have you have a public pred, a public some type of public pledge or an exchange of vows. You have the familial uh really the parents permission. And uh, then it's a covenant or a contract and between the two, it's supposed to last for life. Church people again we're not getting Married in Christian churches didn't happen for a good thousand years, so you put that into context. The church, to some degree, has really—they've shifted on this a long time before the current controversy, because the the impression is given that you know if you don't get married, if there isn't if there isn't a pastor, if there isn't there, if there isn't an elder, are you really married? And of course, that's that's not the case. That's not necessary. The real thing, the the real, the real issue though, where we're living right here and now in the States, though, the real problem is that Christians have submitted to the government saying you need their permission to marry. You need a license. So if you do not obtain a license to get married, then the state says you're not married. So some people could, you know, you could, you could debate this on, 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 you know, as far as, okay, how those elements of marriage once you tack on that, once you just say, "But it's not really a valid marriage unless you have a marriage license," uh, you violate scripture. I mean, it's, uh, it's it's black and white. You violate scripture. God created the family before He created human government. Some people would use the word jurisdiction. They're separate. They're separate jurisdictions. The the jurisdiction God created government to really to restrain to restrain evil. And you commend those that do good. Basic view from Romans on civil government, but civil government was created after marriage. So you you really, if marriage is contingent, if marriage is dependent, if you think marriage is based upon permission by the state, uh, there's there's no biblical basis. And in fact, when I was first when I first heard of this, you know, it, it didn't make sense to me. And then I looked at the Bible, and I said, it's it's not there. In fact. In fact, we could argue by the state by Christians acquiescing to government licenses for marriage, it's actually weakened the institution because what the government gives the government can take away. okay, you have a license to drive a car, so that means you need you need permission okay some people would say that that is a privilege I would argue it's a right because free people should be allowed to travel. The point is. The government treats it as a privilege. So you have to get their license. So the government can regulate that license. Who's to say down the road, the government would not change or take away marriage licenses if you did not conform to what they said you were supposed to do? Uh, most Christians, if I ask them outright, say, would you would you submit if, if if a law was passed tomorrow where you live, if a law was passed tomorrow that you had to have a license to have children, would you submit to that? And most would say, no. (laughs) By the same token, then, if the state doesn't have the right, if it violates their jurisdiction to give you permission to have children, you don't need their permission to have children, why should we then say we need their permission to be married? You look at the marriage laws in in the U.S., this is the way it shakes down. A lot of people don't look into the history. We're only talking really early, you know, not too not too long ago, I mean early 20th century uh, the, the practice had always been you would a uh, couple would get married and then they would provide, they'd tell the state that they were married and the state would recognize it That that's a good practice that's a very good practice I think but that's radically different than what we have now now you have to get permission from the state to marry Okay, another thing that Christians have, have avoided in this is that Part of the problem with marriage is obviously rampant divorce. Okay, rampant divorce. Serious problem among professing believers, not just in the broad culture. A lot of Christians don't like to admit it, but once you give the state once you give the government the authority to define marriage, then you give them the authority to define divorce. And so is it not do we not see a clear problem in the churches as far as teaching on divorce? Um, a lot of churches will not even give a written doctrinal position on what they believe about divorce and remarriage. And that's uh, that's obviously something we're all dealing with. So you step back, you take the biblical view uh what defines a marriage, however you shake that, however you define that, as far as a covenant between a man and a woman. And of course it is only between a man and a woman biblically. You don't see civil government being involved. You don't see the Government in Israel being involved, you don't see the government, you don't see a secular government involved in New Testament times, so we've gotten to this position really in the States not too long ago you You look at certain uh, you look at certain laws what's going on okay how how did we get here? How did we get to this license stuff? We got to this licensing to a large degree because uh states start to pass laws because they wanted to limit interracial marriage. That's how a lot of the really early licensing of marriage started. You just you want to limit it, then you involve the state. So the state says, "Well, we're not giving you a marriage license," then you can't get married. Uh, so that's the way that's the way we really got to where we're here. And there's one thing that's really important I want to say. A lot of Christians, I mean, rightly so, are upset about. Uh, Homosexual marriage. Again, I I wouldn't use the term gay marriage. Some Christians would use the word sodomite marriage. It's a good good old word, uh, but it is it it is it is wrong. It will never be right, regardless of what civil government, regardless of what the government in the United States or any government in the world does. It will never make what God has said wrong right. Okay, and this is like I said. You go back to creation. You go back to the first three chapters of Genesis. You get what goes down there. If you understand. God's creation, including creation of man and woman and marriage, you get that right, you have a lot of biblical theology right. You get that wrong. A lot of things then you get wrong. But I just want to state in no uncertain terms, a lot of Christians now that are opposed to homosexual marriage, they don't always really explain exactly why. They, they, they always don't explain. And of course, the media, which does have their agenda to destroy the current social order, That's political correctness or cultural Marxism, which I have discussed before in this show. They have that agenda to always depict any opposition, any opposition, uh, any criticism of homosexuality, particularly homosexual marriage. It's all hate. Uh, It's all hate. And again, you believe the Bible. You have to identify sin for what it is. And in particular, this sin... uh, this sin is identified. You look in the book of Romans, okay? And Paul Paul writes this on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about a certain time frame. And he doesn't say when, but he's talking about how God views how God views certain things. So I read Romans one verse eighteen: For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against un, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it. To shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped, and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their woman exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to the base mind to do those things which are not fitting. So, we see this, there's no time frame here. I think Paul's talking about a pattern in a culture. A lot of Christians would say, God will judge homosexuality. God, God will judge sodomy. That is true but what i just read in romans 1 romans 1 is not teaching that at all really romans 1 isn't teaching that god will judge homosexuality and in fact what romans 1 is teaching is that homosexuality is the judgment of god okay when we when any culture sees open homosexuality practiced that's a sign of god's judgment that's really that's what romans 1 is teaching the phrase is used there by paul that it's against nature it's against nature okay and that phrase was recognized by Ancient Greco-Roman writers that were not Christians spoke of of homosexuality in the same. They use the same phrase that it was against nature. So we go to nature again. We go back to creation. All all bounds, all sexual activity outside of marriage is sin. Okay, the Bible the Bible makes that clear. A lot of people will want to debate or challenge biblical teachings, and there's some doctrines, of course. Uh, Christians will always disagree on certain doctrines. There's some things that are hard. More difficult to understand than others, but when it comes to that, that's a really basic truth in the Bible. Basic truth in the Bible. You can quote quote the book of Hebrews: "Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed on the foul, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge." Guess okay, that's, that, that's real clear. But when we get to this issue of of homosexuality, what you know, some people call same you know same sex relations. This is a more serious sin. Uh, this is. This is far more serious because when someone's involved in this, they're they're telling God they're not just re, they're not just all sin is rebelling against God. Okay, all unrighteousness is sin. That's clear. But in this area, they're telling God, "You didn't know what you were doing when you made me a man, or you didn't know what you were doing when you made me a woman. You created me wrong. You you should not have made me a man, or I should not have been a woman." It's, to me, it's always distressing when you hear someone say, "Cause now you have this." this uh transgender uh phenomena all yeah you know, all perverse but people saying, well yeah, I feel like I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or a woman trapped in a man's body. Uh very serious again when a society openly condones this. So uh it is it is worthy for Christians to uh, to explain that to people. Yeah, you know, their opposition isn't based upon a mere whim. Uh, it's grounded in the Bible. It's grounded in God's creation, how He made us. Everyone was created man or woman, and uh, people obviously they don't want to hear that. Now, in in the context again, in the states, uh, the Supreme Court is going down this path. Okay, the Supreme Court is going down this path, but when you look at what the Bible says, you have those elements to a marriage. However, you how we define the marriage covenant, how we would define the marriage contract. Limited to a man and a woman, intended to be a lifetime sexual confirmation, public vows, public pledge, some type of pledge. However you, however you however you deal with that, okay, and that those elements are there; they're not negotiable. Once again, you introduce or say, but but you also you also have to have state permission. You violate scripture. Okay, that's where a lot of really most of my Bible believing friends. Uh, most pastors just do not know that they just don't know the history of the states. Once again, that this licensing is relatively new, and it was initially done uh, to to limit interracial marriage. So, how do we go forward then? Well, we're in this we're, we're in this situation, okay? Whether you're whether you're a social conservative or in particular bodily Christian, you're in the states now, and uh, how do you how do you really how do you respond to this? How do you respond to this? It's huge as far as the, some some most of the major issues, most of the, most of the super important issues on the political scene are never left versus right. Okay, you may have noticed that most of the the most critical important issues that affect us are not left versus right. It's not. Uh, it's not Democrat versus Republican. They want us to believe that they want to believe they want us to believe okay, there's everything is as is it just falls to those categories, left versus right, liberal versus conservative. Again you break down those those words. <laughs> you talk about. liberal would mean yeah, you know, new, conservative would mean resistant to change. But if the current social order is wrong, like getting a marriage license, then uh obviously if you want to change that, that wouldn't be conservative. <laughs> But how how big is this in other words you talk about Republic, the Republican Party okay and I'm a Republican how many how many prominent Republicans are supporting homosexual marriage I just want to give you a few drop a few names here before I go to break okay there's a number of prominent an article came out on May 6th March 6th rather of this year and it was 300 top Republicans yes Republicans just asked the Supreme Court to support gay marriage Three hundred. Okay, on that list, I'm not going to read three hundred names. I didn't know all of them, but a few people, a few names you might recognize: Rudy Giuliani. Of course, he was never, he was never socially. He wasn't. Yeah, you look at what he had done in New York City. That didn't surprise me. A lot of other people, though. Retired General Stanley McChrystal. Just remember him, Stanley McChrystal. Former Bush Deputy Secretary of Defense Paul Wolfowitz. Got some prominent neocons there. U.S. Senator, current U.S. Senator from Maine, Susan Collins, asked the Supreme Court to support homosexual marriage. Okay, bunch of people that worked for Romney's campaign. number of people that worked for John McCain supported it. Uh, George Bush's National Security Advisor, Stephen Hadley, is on that list. Uh, John Huntsman is on that list. Current U.S. Senator Mark Kirk is on that list. And then, from uh, the great state of uh, Pennsylvania, former governor from Pennsylvania and, and Homeland, Homeland Security Director Tom Ridge is on that list. So, as we move forward, as this debate uh, continues, don't let anyone make you think that, once again, if we just get enough Republicans elected, this yeah this problem will go away. You look at what's going on right now in the great state of North Carolina. Okay. North Carolina had amended uh, the state constitution to you know, to ban same sex marriage, to ban homosexual marriage. A federal federal judge said, not nah, that's not valid. So now the state legislature went state legislature came back, quick fix, but at least they did something. North Carolina General Assembly came back and said, Well we not magistrates will not be forced to violate their conscience. Someone comes before them, uh they're not forced then to marry them. And uh, then Governor McCrory, who happens to be a Republican, vetoes that. So please don't let anyone make you think this is left versus right. Uh, it's not. It's not. Call a number again, 619 638 8559. We are talking about marriage. We are defining the, what the Bible says about marriage. We are talking about how the state is involved and what are uh, what will be our response to that? what will be our response to that stay tuned k r r p Mr President, members of Congress, you've been making a lot of noise about taking our guns away, but you might want to review history eighteen thirty five Gonzales, Texas Territory. The authorities wanted to confiscate the big gun that protected that colony. You know what the people said? Come and take it. Because they were willing to fight for their freedom and their guns. So are we. Come and take it if you want it. Come and take it if you think you can. Come and take it, but I warn you. You'll have to pry it from my cold, dead hands. We want the freedom that God gave us, so you best not cross that line. If you want this gun, you gotta come through us and take it, one shot at a time. Just like Gonzalez, we're keeping our guns. When you're looking for real truth, real talk radio, make sure you log on to K-I-R-P Radio dot com. K-I-R-P Radio! I am Rocco P. Tonight we are talking about marriage. We talked about scripture. We talked about what the state is doing and how that situation, what's going on now, what is the biblical basis of marriage, how has a state been involved? You know, my position, the state should not be involved. So what are you know, what are the options? What can we do? Now we talk about we'll talk about US law. Highest law on the land is still the federal constitution. And that federal constitution gave the federal government certain enumerated powers. See that in Article One, Section eight. And there's around twenty powers or so. Really, the Congress could do. All laws that they pass should be confined to those areas. Some people have gone creative. Again, they talk about necessary and proper, general welfare. All right, most of what the federal government does, they're not to be involved in anything regarding health. Obamacare, no, it's all there's no basis. Now, you look at the Constitution at face value, the original intent. Uh, there's nothing in the federal constitution about marriage. It's not there. So that's really disconcerting again when you think about the debate. This conflict would be a lot easier if the federal government was not involved. The Supreme Court and these federal courts insert themselves into what the states are doing, they just have no basis in the constitution, none whatsoever. It's not there. It's not there, but they have violated that. We're living, we're living in a nation where we're really living in the shadow of what was a constitutional republic. A uh, hundred years of progressivism, which I would call collectivism, where they they basically brainwash us to think there's collective rights versus individual rights, and uh, we just keep on losing it as individuals keep on losing our rights. So there is no federal basis, but. That doesn't stop them from being involved. So there is no basis. The Supreme Court's going to hear these arguments. Uh, Chris Ann Hall is a constitutional attorney. Uh, she is she's a Bible leaving Christian, and she had she had some interesting comments to make. A few comments she posted on Facebook back in the end of April. She says the question will be: Does the Constitution require same-sex marriage? Okay, because they're going to try and they're going to try and make this a federal right. It's not a federal matter at all. You of course it doesn't. The Constitution does not even address marriage because marriage is a state issue, but it won't be that easy because Christians demanded the Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA, that was under Bill Clinton. There will be an inroad to make the argument that the federal government has a role to play in marriage. If truth be told, we can thank our fellow Christians, ouch, for the entire same-sex marriage argument because Christians decide that God was insufficient to provide for the needs of marriage, we needed government to give God a financial bailout. We like to get real loud about marriage being a union between a man, woman, and God, but for financial benefits, we ask government to come into that relationship too. God is very clear that we can't serve two masters, since that is true. We cannot have a union between a man, a woman, God, and government, so we kicked out God to get government money. There would be no same-sex marriage argument if there were no argument benefit, if there were no governmental benefits to marriage. There would be no governmental benefits to marriage if Christians lived by faith and kept that relationship sanctioned and provided for by God alone. So an injudicious zeal for union between God and government, Christians could actually be bringing about the criminalizing of a Christian-based marriage. Because the Supreme Court does determine that same-sex marriages are a right via the Constitution, then no religious minister will be able to perform will be able to refuse to perform marriage without suffering the penalties of a federal civil rights violation. Just a gentle reminder to Christians, Matthew six thirty three does not say but seek ye first the government and all and his benefits and all these things shall be added unto you. No. It says seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh she is uh I think for the, yeah she's uh she's on spot with that. Uh oh. The IRS is not in the Bible, but again, Christians have been lulled into this. They, uh, The IRS, again, being abolished, that would solve a lot of problems. <laughs> that would solve a lot of problems. You just go 100% sales tax, uh, but uh, I don't want to talk about taxes, but it is an issue. I mean, she's right. This complicates it. Uh, it's not a federal matter to begin with, but the states aren't asserting their rights. The states could, but they're not. Here's another angle on uh, on the marriage uh, th- this whole thing with uh, Supreme Court and homosexual marriage. If we step back, we go back to 1969. Something happened in 1969 that radically changed marriage in our nation, and Christians, for the most part, just were not involved in this. Uh, they didn't discuss it. The, to the best of my knowledge, there was no there's no backlash. To what happened? And that was when no, for, no fault divorce laws were instituted, back in '69. Okay, this is post the licensing of marriage. So once the licenses got on the books, then they started adding marriage laws. Okay, quoting from a little piece here: till the first sixty years of the 20th century, divorce laws were based on the premise that the only ground for divorce was the fault ground, where one spouse had to prove that the other spouse had committed a major wrongdoing, and hence. The marriage is no longer workable. In California, in the year 1969, someone named Governor Ronald Reagan, yes, Ronald Reagan, signed the nation's first no-fault divorce law, which allowed the disputing divorces to get out of the burden of a relationship, which was not being terminated as no wrongful acts were being committed. An attorney had once argued that you cannot hold on to a married relationship with a spouse who is not willing to go on, and also, if you find that the love in the marriage is long over, thus the premise was basically used to permit a law, which soon, which has soon changed the social scene in the USA. Uh, what was it like before then in the states? Again, these laws were added post-licensing. Then, once the states said you can have licenses, they, they added laws. But before no-fault divorce, what were the grounds? Uh, what was the fault basis? Pretty much. Desertion or absence, cruelty, physical or emotional, and adultery, and of course you could you could use or manipulate that emotional cruelty right but uh in the nineteen fifties that uh that cruelty again they expanded that before Reagan's no fault divorce. they were already expanding that grounds as far as the the emotional cruelty that law was formally adopted no fault- no fault divorce in nineteen sixty nine there were some final touch ups. given given by the beginning of 1980, which finally gave shape to the no-fault divorce laws. And from then on, the history of divorce has completely changed. It's completely changed. I, once again, did not see, uh, historically, I don't think, there was any huge movement, backlash, opposition from Christian leaders in the churches about that. Again, if if you only remember one thing I say, about the state being involved in marriage. Remember this from a Christian perspective: once you give the state the power to license marriage and define it, they define divorce. Okay, and that, to a large degree, in my mind, is why you know, the professing church you don't see uh, you don't see much pushback on divorce. They've just capitulated. They've rolled over with the culture. So while I do appreciate Christian leaders speaking out against homosexual marriage, uh, you could make a real to make a fairly good argument that we've already lost. What do I mean by that? We, 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 we. Who's we and what do I mean by losing? I mean Christians, people that believe the Bible have already lost because they've already capitulated on the marriage issue by not dealing with divorce, by not challenging the state's authority to license it. So now, in the 11th hour, (laughs) uh, even if the Supreme Court doesn't do what I think they will do and make what is against nature a federal right, Christians had, already, Christians had already really lost this issue. We've certainly lost some moral high ground. When we talk about man's law again, why do I think, why am I not optimistic about the Supreme Court? Okay, Apart from yeah, an original view of the Constitution, again, the Supreme Court did what they were supposed to do. Uh, they would basically pounce on any federal laws, any federal laws, any, any, any federal rulings, really, and any federal judicial rulings that interfere with the states, the Supreme Court would be all over and said, not your jurisdiction. Case over real quick. But right now you and I, and I didn't say you, I said I, we've been brainwashed to think that the Constitution is a magical document and the Supreme Court has this power mystically to say what's in it that no one else really knows. You hear that often. You know, people will say there's a uh, that there's, they're going to determine what is and isn't constitutional. Uh, the Supreme Court decides what isn't isn't constitutional. That's like picking up the Bible and saying, "Well, I've just decided that this doctrine." Uh, let's say, let's say uh, George Winis picks up the Bible and says, "I I have decided our church, our organization, the Watchtower Society, has decided Jesus was created being." No, no, I no. say that's heresy. You can't find that in the Bible. But they use the authority of their organization to determine what the Bible says and doesn't they don't have that authority. They've changed it. Same thing. There's just there's no federal authority here, but that's not stopping them from getting involved. Why am I not too optimistic the Supreme Court is gonna come down on the side of Western civilization and sanity on this? Uh Lawrence versus Texas. Lawrence versus Texas. June 26, 2003, that case basically was a test case. A Milton homosexualist had pushed this. In, uh, in Texas, there was a report that there was a break-in. Police were sent, and they found two men in bed together. And then they had arrested them. Because you think about it, there was a number of states back then in 2003 still had old anti-sodomy laws. I mean, the the vast majority, they were on the books to you know, to obviously say the state, at the state level, not the federal level, states uh, passed these laws saying you know, it wasn't a federal matter. Uh, the states were saying they did not want to, not only did they not want to ever encourage homosexual relations, it was illegal. Uh, they saw it as wrong. So you had this test case, Milton Homosexual, as it was all planned. Uh, there was two guys in bed. They called the police. They said there was a break, and there wasn't. police came in. They arrested them. That works its way all up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court decides that uh, there is a constitutional right to, to homosexual relations. And So then, with uh, one decision, they invalidate all the old-standing state laws that were still in the books against sodomy. They got rid of them. So, in light of the Supreme Court doing that in 2003, in 2015, it's hard for me to believe, since they created this... Legal right, and they not only violated their jurisdiction, which I've stressed, but then they said something that states had said was morally wrong to the point that it was illegal at the state level. They interjected themselves into that and said, "No, no it's, it's a, this is a right uh, based upon their track record, uh, case law doesn't look that good." So I've said I've said a lot. I've talked about the Bible. I've talked about the Supreme Court. I don't don't want to leave the show. I don't want to be negative. <laughs> I really don't want to be negative. What's what's the path ahead? Uh, what solutions can I provide in the time we have left? Uh, I think those solutions are there. I think they're real, and they're powerful, and they would be very effective. The first one is uh, the states asserting their, their sovereignty. Okay, Since there is no federal authority over marriage in any way, shape, or form, you can't find that in the Constitution. It's not there. Okay, just like there's, there's nothing, nothing in the Constitution. We've got this, got this agency called the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. There's nothing in the Constitution about drugs. Back in the day, they had to, when people respected the Constitution more, if you remember, they had to pass an amendment to the Constitution to make alcohol illegal, prohibition, and then they repealed prohibition. But then, all of a sudden, people don't care anymore, and they pass Federal laws against drugs—it's not their—it's not their jurisdiction. But I digress. So, so, what 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 can we do? What can we do going forward? There are there are some very potent, effective, powerful solutions to all this. Number one, the best thing that could happen would be if states would start to assert their sovereignty and declare really, really clearly, really unambiguously that the federal government has no jurisdiction in the matter. Of marriage in their state, and therefore any federal law be it doma any federal any federal uh court ruling, any supreme court ruling is null and void now it's complicated if a state does that because, as Chris Ann Hall hinted at, that, though she't use the word she't use the phrase i r s because the tax laws that would complicate things but but that would be that would be very good if if the states came forward. And most states don't believe this. I mean, most states, uh, you know, still there's still enough moral sanity in the general culture. Most states are not do not want to endorse homosexual marriage. Uh, even the states that haven't passed amendments against it, uh, you know, most states are not endorsing it. There's still enough. Uh, there's still enough moral basis where they know that's wrong. So it's just a matter of them then asserting their authority, saying uh, you don't have. It's not not enumerated powers article in section eight. The supremacy clause only involves the supreme the federal government's only supreme in those areas defined the Constitution. And we got these things called Ninth and Tenth Amendment. The in other words, powers that weren't specifically uh circumscribed, given to the federal government belong to the people or the states. So states could do that, could do that very effectively. And we're starting to see that happening. Okay. So that's one that's one solution. Okay. The best solution is what we see in Alabama. Beyond that, Alabama is taking it a step further, and they're really, they're, they really, they really want to cut the head off this, of the snake, so to speak. They really want to fix this. So Alabama is addressing not just the lack of federal authority; they're they're solving it at the state level. They want to go back to where the state did not issue marriage licenses. That's right. I think that's a very extremely effective solution. And that does protect marriage the best uh overall. I'm quoting a piece from the Tenth Amendment Center, May twenty-third, twenty fifteen. The name of this article is The Alabama Senate Passes Bill to effectively nullify all sides on marriage. That wouldn't have been my title, but I didn't write it. This is what this is how the article reads. This week, the Alabama State Senate passed a bill that would end the practice of licensing marriage in the state, effectively nullifying both sides of the contentious national debate over government sanctioned marriage. Introduced by Senator Greg Albritton, uh, Albert, Albert, Republican, okay, Republican, Senate Bill 377 would end state-issued state marriage licenses while providing marriage contracts as an alternative. It passed through the Alabama State Senate by a 22-to-3 margin on May 19th. Then we quote that, that state senator. When you, invite the states, when, the, when you invite the state into those matters of personal or religious import, it creates difficulties, Senator Albritton said about his bell in April. Go back long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, early 20th century. If you go back and look, you won't find it. But what you will find instead is where people have come in and recorded when a marriage has occurred. Okay, To repeat that last sentence, what you will find instead is where people have come in and recorded when a marriage has occurred. That is far more consistent with Christian faith and practice because you don't need the state's permission. You should not need the state's permission to get marriage. That, that redefines marriage. That's why we're in this mess. Uh, the bill would replace all references to marriage licenses in state law with contracts. The legislation would not invalidate any marriage licenses issued prior to the bill being passed. The contract shall be filed in the office of the judge of probate in each county. It shall constitute a legal record of the marriage. A copy of the contract shall be transmitted to the Office of Vital Statistics of the Department of Public Health and made a part of its record effective July 1, 2015. Any requirement to obtain a marriage license issued by the judge of probate is abolished and repealed. Okay, Practically, that Senate bill in Alabama would accomplish two things. First, it would render void the effects of federal judges that have overturned state laws defining marriage. The founding generation never envisioned unelected judges issuing pronouncements regarding the definition of social institutions like marriage, and the Constitution delegates delegates the federal judiciary no authority to meddle in the issue. Marriage is a realm clearly left to the state and the people. Second, the bill would get the state government out of defining marriage entirely as well, ending the squabble between factions that seek to harness the power of the state, thereby taking the burden off government officials who may be torn between what is legal, legally required of them and their religious convictions. The intent or motives behind the bill are a moot point by removing the state from the equation no one can force another to accept their marriage, nor can they force Another to reject a person's own beliefs regarding the institution other than government licenses are used as a way to stop people from doing things. My personal relationship should not be subject to governmental per- permission. Then that that Tenth Amendment piece, Tenth Amendment, C- Tenth Amendment Center piece quoted a 2007 New York Times op-ed, and it's rare you see any practical wisdom from the New York Times, but this piece did. For most of Western history, they don't. Uh, they're talking about marriage as a private affair. For most of Western history, uh, they didn't because marriage was a private contract between two families. The parents' agreement to a match, not the approval of church or state, was what confirmed its validity. For 16th centuries, Christians also defined the validity of a marriage on the basis of a couple's wishes. So, uh, the, in fact, the use of state marriage licenses for many years was a way of preventing people from entering into interracial marriages. I had mentioned that before. So then, it gets more it gets more complicated. Why? Because of federal government programs, the Social Security Act, the Social Security Act provides survivors' benefits with proof of marriage. Employers use marital status to determine whether they would provide health insurance or pension benefits to employees. Dependents, courts, and hospitals required a marriage license before granting couples the privilege of inheriting, of inheriting from each other or receiving medical information. And again, that was that was very subtle because obviously. Before then, you could always determine what a marriage was if people were just just went to the state as was the practice. They just the marriages would have been recognized, but then they they injected, they introduced licensing. They introduced licensing. Uh, so you're in a state you don't live in Alabama. <laughs> then, as a Christian, what, what what's your hope? Okay, the Supreme Court comes down. Supreme Court uh, creates creates law. Out of thin air, they find something they don't have the jurisdiction. they violate. they make what the Bible says is against nature a federal right. What do you do? You're not in Alabama, and Alabama didn't pass it yet. I hope they do. so what do you do okay what what else? What other solutions do we have okay we still We still have solutions, we really do. We have solutions from from the pastoral perspective. Obviously, if I if it wasn't clear already, I think they shouldn't. They don't need permission anyhow. <laughs> uh, people don't need permission. And then this idea that ministers again people get really confused that you know, you're not married unless you know there's a pastor. No, that's that's not the case. But if the ministers don't want to be forced to perform weddings against their vows, one simple thing is you know they they just they only perform weddings. Rejecting the power of the state—it's that simple. They just—they reject their licensure, so uh, you don't have—you don't have ministers licensed. But of course, you know there'll be repercussions. What else can you do as an individual? What can you do? Common law, common law marriages, okay, common law marriages. Eight states in the U.S. still recognize common law marriages. Okay, How do you define that? What's common law marriage? Common law marriage is, is allowed, in a minority of states, common law marriage is a legally recognized marriage between two people who have not purchased a marriage license or had their marriage solemnized by a, sem- by a ceremony. Not all states have statutes addressing the common law marriage. In some states' case, law and public policy determine validity. So it's not clear in some states. Some states have it in statute that they'll recognize it or read that list and then some states have clearly said in their statutes they don't recognize it then it's then other states it's not it's it's just not clear. It's not there. But what can you do? What you can you do as a believer, okay? You have these states, Colorado. Okay, Colorado recognizes common law marriage, Iowa does, Kansas does, Montana does, New Hampshire does, South Carolina does, Texas does, and Utah does. Okay. Not all state statutes expressly allow for common law marriages, those ones I just read did. In some states, case law recognizes common law marriages, including Alabama and Rhode Island. Okay, so they recognize it, but they're not making it a matter. They don't recognize it overtly in terms of statute. Uh so you want to get married. Uh you're you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. You don't want to submit to a license, uh, at all, particularly that license is beginning is, is the state is also sanctioning homosexual marriages. So what do you do? Uh, You go to one of those states, you get married, you have a ceremony, and then you immediately, you take photographs. You have, you have people could sign a letter. There's witnesses. You immediately petition then guess at the County level for that state to recognize your marriage. (laughs) Uh, I think that's really what's going to happen. If if the Supreme Court goes ahead, uh, I think that's going to be the only option. Now, of course, people could still get married and then completely opt out of the state. But if we still have this out, again, it involves an inconvenience to travel to a state to have your ceremony. Uh, there's still some benefit to doing that because you're attempting you're attempting to submit to the state, but in the right way, not the wrong way okay A lot of Christians have misconstrued submission to the state they they've they've misconstrued submission to the governing authorities now God places everyone who who's in power that's that's not disputed okay god God did create government. You have some people uh some people I know uh they call themselves anarchists they're not throwing bombs, but they believe that there should be no government impossible it has never existed that's fantasy. Uh, apart from that, it's explicit in Scripture, God created government. So the proper relation to government is to submit to government, but that submission to government is and never has been unconditional. That submission to government is and never has been unconditional. So while God appoints powers, it doesn't mean he always endorses what those powers do. Because governments comprised by humans, and if you know the Bible, you know human nature is sinful. Governments will tend to become corrupt over time. That's uh, that's the way it shakes out. So when we get to this marriage this, this issue of marriage, it's obviously expedient, it is beneficial for believers to have their marriage recognized by the state. But that's a fundamentally different, radically different proposition than going before the state and saying, I need your permission to marry. No. That's so uh, I think the church the churches that really we've they've already gotten this wrong and now as this is attempt this is evidently going to uh it's gonna to come to uh, a conclusion at at the federal level with the Supreme Court. They're gonna to have to reflect church and particularly Christian leaders are gonna to have to reflect no matter how how badly they've got it wrong. Again, we don't have the time machine. We can't go back and then protest and have have a mass protest against no fault uh no fault marriage. We can't go back no fault divorce rather. We can't go back and then have a, a we can't go back and have a mass protest against marriage licensing. This is the situation we find ourselves in now. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. The state sovereignty is a hot topic. Okay, Many right now in, in many areas states are realizing they're starting to wake up and realize there is an only enumerated powers. Federal, The Supremacy Clause of the Federal Constitution doesn't mean the federal government can pass law in any area that they want to. Uh, Clean burn, clean coal burning power plants are going away, so some states are going to step in. Going to say, oh, we don't care about the EPA. Closer to home, though, some states got to step up to the plate now and say, uh, we opt out. Uh, we're going to opt out. We'll we'll take whatever penalties are going to give us at the federal level. Uh, we're not recognizing. We're not recognizing homosexual marriage. And again, you're not in a state. It's only going to be a handful of states initially that will probably do that. We've still got the option of common law and marriage. So there are solutions. But Christian leaders, I hope, will recognize how the Bible defines marriage, how the church has already failed in this area in responding to the state. And they will set a clear path ahead as far as opposition to what clearly is tyrannical and when the state does endorse what is uh, what's against nations. So, I, there is a way. There are these solutions, again, uh, we know man rules, but God overrules. And uh, we will see what happens. Uh, thank you for listening to KRP. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.